then we will get straight into it. So thank you so much, Becca, for um, being on the series. Me and Becca went to the same high school. Did we go to the same junior high? No. Okay. We went here right for high school. Okay. So we went to the same high school, different um, ages, but I re just remember always seeing you. Like, I feel like the first time I saw you, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. And I was always <laughs> obsessed with your hair, your tan, which is my favorite, like your complexion. So, and but then- I have to say, I know I've told you this before, but same. Because <laughs> I remember, I think I was in like a, I, I slept class and went to a seminary class uh -huh. and you were in the class. And I just remember seeing you at the back and I was like, that's like the prettiest girl in school. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. So we knew each other kind of from that, like never really talked much and then found each other on social media and now we're here. And so thank you for being here and being open to sharing your story. Cause I know it isn't always comfortable or easy, um, but we'll just get straight into it. If you could share your story of what you went through um, and how you've worked through that up to now, where you're at now. Mm, so I actually have two. Okay. Um, the first one was when I was young. Um, I think it started when I was like six or seven and it went on for a long time. Probably maybe a couple years um, it was somebody in the home that was, that I trusted and that my mom trusted. Um, and, you know, he made me do things and, and he did things to me. And at such young age, it was, you know, especially when you're being told that it's okay. And when you're, but you're being told not to tell your mom, it's, it was hard because I didn't understand and I didn't completely know that it was wrong, but at the same time, I felt it was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, just because I wasn't able to, you know, why can't I tell my mom if it's mm -hmm. not right? Um, and then just, you know, waking up from naps and, you know, having his hand in my clothes. The feeling of, you know, at such a young age, I was like, I was maybe seven and, being scared to move, mm -hmm. you know? Um, that's how I know I knew it was wrong, but I just, it was just so confusing. Um, and then one of my brothers told my mom, um, cause he had, he had seen it one day and um, that's when my mom, you know, put an end to it and stopped it. And um, even though I remember her talking to me about it, um, I remember her, I remember she was really emotional. I remember she was really hurt and she kept apologizing to me. Um, but it's still, I, I don't think I truly understood. Um, and it wasn't until I got older when I realized how it affected me. Cause it's not something that I, I felt like affected me in a huge way, but um, it was more subtle things that I kind of realized as I got older. Um, for example, in Young Women's, um, I remember learning about temple marriage and about, you know, abstaining from sex until temple marriage. Um, and it was hard because I always felt like I was hiding a secret. Um, 
I always felt guilty and like I had done something wrong um, because you know those are supposed to think those are supposed to be things that I was supposed to experience after going through the temple but I had already experienced those things um, even though it wasn't anything that I did um, on my own or willingly you know those are things that I was told to do or that somebody did to me mm-hmm. um, but I still felt that way and I think I didn't understand it um, like as we kind of talked about earlier you know in church we're told we're taught these things um, we're taught the atonement and we're taught about temple marriage but we're not taught about how the atonement works for us when things happen to us that are out of our control we're not told that it's not our fault and we're not told that you know we don't have to repent for something that happened to us and that's something that I had to learn when um, after high school I wanted to go on a mission Um, and I went and talked to my bishop and this was like the hardest thing because I besides my mom um, and my close family members, nobody knew about what happened to me. Um, and this was so scary and it took mm-hmm. me so long to go talk to my bishop. And I remember going in and telling bishop that I had to confess something. And I, t- and I told him everything that happened. And I told him that I didn't feel worthy to go on a mission because of what happened. Um, and he kind of asked me to elaborate and to tell him, you know, what happened. And he just was like, you have nothing that you need to repent for. Um, and it was hard to believe even when mm-hmm. he told me that. Um, just because I had spent so long feeling guilty and feeling like I had a secret that I had to keep. Um, and so he helped me um, to truly understand and believe that it wasn't my fault and that I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and he also helped me to see how the atonement can heal. Um, what what had been broken mm-hmm. um, and then I also he helped encourage me to talk to the person um, and that was a big part of it too um, I think I just I never dealt with it and yeah. I kind of just pushed everything aside because it was somebody that was so close with us yeah. you know um, and so I just I didn't forget about it because you yeah. can't truly forget about those things, but it just kind of just kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I met up with him. We were in his car and we talked about it. And he was young at the time, too. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that he had felt so much guilt from it, too. Um, and I didn't know that it's something that he had gone through with his bishop and that he had told his wife, you know, he had to tell his wife. Um, and I, I, I felt, I don't know why, but I felt bad because it, you know, the toll it took on their marriage and it didn't, I know that the atonement works because I, I didn't want it to affect their marriage and I wanted him to still be happy. Um, and I wanted to be happy, um, but yeah, that <laughs> yeah. that was that experience. And then, right. so that's how I that's how I healed pretty much from it was. Um, I think that was the first time I truly learned about the atonement. Mm-hmm. I think I was always taught about the atonement, right? Um, and you know, I was taught to repent for little things or little sins, 
Um, but that was the first time I actually used it for something big. Um, and then my second experience was in college. Mm -hmm. um, I had just, I was really inactive too. Um, even in high school, I wasn't super active and super strong. And then college, I just fell away and didn't go to church at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had gotten back to campus. I was going to school in California, right outside of San Francisco. And I'd gone to a music festival with my friends that day. And we, we just did a lot of things. We were drinking mm -hmm. and I just was not in the best best mindset so yeah. I got dropped off right in front of my dorms and instead of going up to my dorms there was a party going on at like the community area in the dorms mm -hmm. and I went into the party instead of going up to my dorm and um, I remember leaving the party and going onto the side of the dorms and talking to this talking to this guy and I didn't know him I hadn't seen him around campus before um, but we were just talking and um, Eventually, he asked me to go to a party with him, and I said, might, might as well. Um, and so we went, he called the cab, and we took the cab, I got in the cab because I thought we were going to the party, and then um, we got to a hotel. And when we got to the hotel, I remember, because I, I had been drinking all day, but mm -hmm. I remember thinking, this isn't the party. You know, he told me we're going to the party, and he's, he told me that, you know, we're going to just go up to the hotel room really fast. I got to get something, and then we'll go to the party. So, not the best judgment on my part, but we went up to the hotel room, um, and that's when he forced himself on me, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, even though... Even though I know I didn't make the best decisions, and even though, you know, there were red flags and I ignored the red flags, I still said no. Yeah. And I still told him that I wasn't comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. um, but he still kept going. Yeah. And um, so I waited until he fell asleep. And then I just grabbed my stuff. I didn't even put my shoes on and I ran out the hotel. I ran out the door, out of the hotel. Um, I remember it was raining and I just kept running um, until I got to, there was another hotel down the road um, and I could see that a light was on. So I turned in um, and there were, this happened to be two ladies at the mm -hmm. desk, um, but the doors were locked because they locked the doors late at night. And I was just pounding on the windows and um, at first, they just looked at me, but then yeah. I think after a little bit, they they realized that I needed help. So they opened the door, um, and I just remember being so terrified that yeah. I didn't want to be in the front area where he could see me. I wanted to be in the back where he couldn't see me. Um, and I waited there for a while, and then they took me back to my dorm. Um, and out of everything, the hardest part for me after that was that I didn't remember his face. I didn't. For some reason, I couldn't clearly remember his face yeah. um, the next day. And it was so hard for me to walk around campus because I remember there's this one guy who I felt like it was him and who I felt like it that looked like him, but I wasn't sure. And so yeah. I would see him around campus and it was just like, 
I was always so uncomfortable and I was mm -hmm. so terrified and I had night classes and I was so scared to walk from my from my class to my dorm and it wasn't just the fact that it wasn't I I was scared that he would do something to me but then I was also just scared that he would approach me yeah um I think I was so traumatized from what happened that I just was just scared of him in general mm -hmm. um and after I feel like I kind of I dealt with what happened to me when I was younger really well um or it didn't it didn't cause such I don't know how to put it struggle I guess mm -hmm. or noticeable struggle yeah um it's a different trauma yeah this one was really hard for me um my grades dropped yeah. like drastic my grades dropped really bad and I started, I was on an athletic scholarship for water polo, but I just couldn't get yeah. out of bed to go to practice some days. And my coach would, my coach would call me and I would come up with like the craziest excuses mm -hmm. just because like, I didn't want to say that that's what happened to me. And because I felt ashamed, I felt like, you know, I had gone out and partied and I put myself in a bad situation. And so it's going to be my fault. You know, it's going to be, why did you do that? So I just... I just kept making excuses and for things and um, eventually my um, auntie called, my auntie kept calling me and asking me to go home and take care of my mom in Hawaii and um, or just asking any of us kids to yeah. go because she was by herself at the time and um, I kind of sat back and looked at my situation and my performance in water polo was not doing well at all either. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, I talked to my coach and I told my coach that, you know, I needed to go home and take care of my mom. And um, so I decided to leave school. And before that, I knew that I couldn't go home in yeah. the state that I was in. So um, I left school, but then I went to a different city where I was, where I had previously gone to college. And I spent about like four or five months there. And I was in a dark, dark place. Yeah. Like I had relationships there um, with people previously that I just ruined because I just was I I couldn't even I could barely take care of myself mm -hmm. and so I just I yeah I ruined a lot of friendships just because I was making bad choices and just I was so hurt yeah um and so I stayed there for a few months until I finally decided it was time to go home and um, take care of my mom and finally pull myself together yeah but I just I feel like I just went there to allow myself time to just mm -hmm. kind of be in my dark place for a while yeah um, but then I went back to Hawaii and I slowly started to heal it was definitely a long process and yeah I, I would be, I would become strong for a while. I would go to church and I would use the atonement and I would, you know, I'd feel like I would be good and then I would just fall yeah. again. Um, and it even got to the point where I got endowed. I went to the temple, I was strong. And then it just kind of cycled again. Mm -hmm. um, I stopped going to church. I stopped wearing my garments. Yeah. Um, and in the, 
in the most recent one. Um, I stopped going to church for like four years. Mm -hmm. um, and that during that time, I even had points where I questioned my beliefs. I questioned mm -hmm. if God loved me. I questioned if the gospel was even true. Um, because if Heavenly Father loved me, why would he let those things happen to me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and why would he let it hurt so much? Um, even though I had gone through the temple, I still, you yeah. know, had those moments. And this last one taught me that even though bad things happen to people, that doesn't mean Heavenly Father doesn't love them. Yeah. I've, I've come to realize, or kind of epiphany, you know, I have my free agency and you have your free agency. And, but sometimes some of the things we do, like for instance, there's things that I've done that have hurt people that I love, um, or people that I don't know, or things that I've said that have hurt people um, because of my free agency mm -hmm. and what I choose to say or do to, or do to them. Um, and it's the same with what happened to me. Um, somebody else exercised their free yep. agency and chose to do something that was hurtful to me. Um, it's not that Heavenly Father just simply allowed it, or I mean, He He did allow it, but it's not. It's not anything that was anybody's fault besides the person who chose yeah, to do it. Exactly. And in both examples, or not both examples, but in both situations of what happened to me, those were lessons that I had to learn separately each time. You know, it it wasn't my fault. If I could take anything, or if I could tell something or, you know, give advice to somebody who's gone through something like this, it's just to remember that it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. No matter what you wear, right. no matter what you say, mm -hmm. even if you're flirting with somebody. Yep, and no matter what you were doing. Point, exactly. No matter what you're doing, if you say no mm -hmm. or if you express that you're uncomfortable, then they should stop. Yep. You know, it's, it's never your fault. Um, they chose to do it, you know, they chose to do that to you and they chose to keep, to keep going. Um, and then even when I was younger, you know, he knew better because mm -hmm. he was older. He may not have known, he was still young, so he may not have known, you know, just how, you know, just how bad everything was, but you know, we still make our own choices. Yeah. Um, and I think just remembering to love yourself too. Mm -hmm. I think that's something I went through afterwards was, um, I could tell in the choices that I made afterwards, especially after my experience in college. Um, looking back now, I can tell that I just, I didn't treat myself very well. I didn't mm -hmm. love myself. Um, and that, that, it, that right there was holding me back from healing. Um, I put myself in a lot of relationships, or not a lot of relationships, but I put myself in some relationships afterwards where um, I could just, looking back now, I can tell I didn't value myself. Um, I didn't value my worth. and. I'm not sure if it was, you know, if it has to do with what I went through, but mm -hmm. I'm not 
sure if this is too personal to share or too open, but um, I think these experiences left me with such um, I guess maybe confusion or I don't know how to explain it. I could tell that I didn't value myself and it, I wasn't, oh, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say. You're fine, <laughs> take your time. There's no pressure, honestly. If you need a minute to collect. I know what I want to say, but it's hard to like explain it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it left me, these experiences left me with issues where I lost my innocence at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, at such a young age, I had gone, felt experiences and felt things that you know, a young girl my age shouldn't feel. Yeah. Um, and so that left me with issues. But then at the same time, I, I don't like being touched. I don't like being touched, especially by men that I don't know that I'm not comfortable mm-hmm. with. Um, and that right there just kind of like clashes. Yeah. Um, and I can tell how it affects my relationships where, um, you know, I have desires, but then also at the same time, up. I don't want to be touched. Yeah. And so I don't know. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times when, you know, I'm dating yeah. and I want, to get close to somebody, I'm just like, I'm not able to do it. Yeah. Or it just takes too much of a toll mm-hmm. on me emotionally. Um, or I just, I ruin everything because I just feel so broken after, or I feel so empty after. Um, and I feel like I don't truly let people love me all the way. Yeah. Um, just because in my head, from what I've experienced, I think it's just, I've kind of developed this thinking that men just want me for my body. Exactly. Um, even like in relationships, I find myself thinking a lot like, if I can't give him this, then he's not going to like me. Mm-hmm. If I, you know, if I can't, you know, if I put my foot down, maybe he'll stop talking to me. Exactly. Um, or if I hold my virtues, mm-hmm. it's going to be a turn off to him. And right. So what do I have to do so that he'll like me? Or what do mm-hmm. I have to do so that I can keep him? Yeah. Um, and that's something that I've had to learn recently that... Um, my body is precious. Mm-hmm. My body is something that nobody should be able to take anything from. And nobody should be able to have anything from it unless I give them permission, unless I'm fully comfortable with it. Um, and too long, I allowed, I allowed myself to give of myself too freely because it had always been taken from me. Yeah. Um, I don't think, even in my relationships that I've been in, I don't think I've ever 
felt like anybody really respected it. Mm -hmm. um, that's really sad, but um, I just want if there's just any other girls out there who who have gone through anything like that or who have felt anything like that, um, it's important to cherish yourself. And even if something has been taken away from you, it doesn't lessen your value. Mm -mm. It doesn't lessen the value of what you have to give. Um, because there is somebody out there um, who will cherish what you have to give and it won't. Something I'm scared about too is that I was scared to share my story um, because I don't want anybody to hear it. Yeah. I didn't want, um, I didn't want some guy out there to hear my story and, you know, to think like that that makes me any less. Yeah. You know, or to have it be something that, you know, would maybe turn him away from, mm -hmm. you know, but um, I think it's, it's a part of who I am and it's made me who I am today and I love who I am today. Mm -hmm. um, I love the voice that I have and the knowledge that I have from my experiences. And so I wouldn't trade any of, Yeah. I mean, that sounds weird to say, but... Um, I wouldn't change anything that happened to me because of because of how I am now. Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess I'm proud of myself for sharing. You my should. Story. Be. You should be. It's huge. It's really big, and it's super powerful. I know from myself and anyone else being able to hear you be that vulnerable and open, not only about what happened to you but the effects of the thoughts that it gives you now and that you still struggle with. Um, because I feel like that's where change in hearts um, and in the world comes when people are able to be in a space where they can be open and vulnerable. And then in return, people are able to have empathy and see that person as a human. Um, and there's so many things that you said that I loved so much and hopefully I remember um, in kind of going back to them and bringing them up. But with where you ended um, and your nervousness of wanting to share because of what someone will think um, of what a guy would think listening and watching, I think that's normal for any woman to feel or think that's been through what you've been through. Um, but I think and feel that if somebody thinks and feels that way, then they are a hurt person that just isn't meant for you either. And they haven't worked through things and that's not the type of person you want to be with either. Um, and that's somebody that loves you purely and truly and a healthy relationship is one that isn't going to hold that against you. And I think that that's important for women and girls to know pushing forward that go through that. Um, because I can only imagine 
And I've heard that it's hard working through relationships after being through that. Um, but knowing the signs of what's toxic, you know, and what is not self-love and that you're putting yourself into as far as relationships with people that are going to hold that over your head or make you feel guilty. Because like you said, and it's 1000% true that when that happens, that's not your fault and you are not less worthy than the sister sitting next to you that has never done any sexual acts her whole life. Like God would not look at either of you differently. Um, and I know, and I can only imagine how hard it is to like process that and truly like believe it. Um, but I myself like know that that is true. And I hope that that's something that you and any other woman that's gone through that can constantly try to remind yourself. It almost has to be like an affirmation when those things come on to remind yourself, like I am worthy. What's happened to me does not affect my worthiness or change it. Um, and that you are a blessing to anybody that meets you. You know what I mean? Cause I know that you are, but so hard with what you went through and how do you feel like, so with what you said, you still think of and struggle with as far as like insecurities and thoughts. Um, how are you able to like, what do you have to try and do, um, at this stage in your life right now to try and overcome those doubts and thoughts? Like what does healing and self care, self love look like for you now trying to move forward? Mm. I'm really particular with who I surround myself with. Um, I've come to learn that even the friends you hang out with and the things that they're saying um, affects your self-worth. Mm -hmm. And I've come to surround, I surround myself with especially women who never put each other down, um, who only lift each other up. Even when it comes to other people, mm -hmm. I... I can confidently say that the friends that I have, especially when we're with together, I don't, I can't say for when we're apart, but mm -hmm. you know, I feel like they are. But when we're with together, I never hear them talk badly about another girl. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we never ever see a girl and say compare, compare ourselves mm -hmm. to them or you know put them down for no reason. Um, I found that once I surrounded myself with women like that. It was easier to think of myself like that. Um, when, I only, when I constantly surrounded myself with friends who only saw or who tried to see this, the positive in others, it was easier for myself to see the positive in others and then easier for myself to see the positive in me. Because mm -hmm. um, I wasn't looking for neg negatives in the people I was surrounded with. Um, that helps a lot. Um, and then... I think a lot of self-reflecting. Mm -hmm. um, I had to learn to accept myself and to be patient with myself. Um, if there was something that I didn't like about myself, um, whether I could change it or not, I had to 
learn to start with being okay with it. Yeah. Don't just say like, I'm gonna, okay, yesterday I hated my hair, mm -hmm. but tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and love my hair. Yeah. And from the, for every single day after that, I'm gonna love it. Mm -hmm. Cause that's just, it's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. um, I had to learn to be okay with it one mm -hmm. day maybe just kind of accept it and tolerate it the next day and then the next day I might go back to hating it but then keep trying yeah um and you know not expecting myself to automatically just like be perfect and to be accept healed everything. yeah or better yeah the healing process I found is not just something that's always uphill yeah the healing process is you're going uphill and then you fall down the hill mm -hmm. and you get scraped and bruised. Yeah. And then you slowly climb up. And then those friends come into play where those friends, even if they know it or not, they're helping to lift you mm -hmm. up along the way. Right. Um, but that's been a big part is just truly just surrounding myself with good people and being patient with myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so you had brought up um, some days you would be really good or you would go to church and you would feel good and then other others other times you wouldn't you know and you would question and things like that um and then also as well as the times of when you went inactive because you had those thoughts like if heavenly father loved me why would he let this happen um to me what what do you feel helped you because feeling that feeling and just having that thought in itself like is a heavy thing to even think of and to have to not only sit with for myself right now but it's another thing to live with feeling that way so what were kind of like the baby steps from that thought um and I know it took time and it wasn't like a quick thing but what do you think helped you to kind of get past that to then feel loved and known again. This is why I'm so, from my experiences, I've learned <clears throat> um, why it's so important to, as a member of the church, to accept everybody else no matter where they are, no matter what they're going through. Because for me, what the reason why I'm where I'm at today um, is because of the other people in my life, is because of the people that Heavenly Father put in my life. Mm -hmm. um, no matter where I was, it felt like the gospel always found me, and it felt like it was, um, it was always a sister in the Relief Society who just loved me, and I could tell loved me and cared about me. Yeah. It wasn't, oh, I gotta go do my, my what did it used to be? My visiting, visiting teaching. teaching. Um, there's this girl in my ward, in, I was in Merced, California. That's mm -hmm. where I went um, before going home. Okay. Um, and I spent a few months there and I ducked and dodged her. And I was like, <laughs> she would come knock on the door and I'd be like, not me. <laughs> yeah. But like she, I could tell she just truly cared. Yeah. Um, you know, no matter how many times I ignored her text messages, she always texted me. Mm -hmm. And it, she never invited me to, she maybe invited me to church a couple of times, but I remember she picked me up and took me to the beach one day with her, with, um, with a bunch of other people. And 
she would just pick me up to hang out or she, yeah. her and her mom would bring me food. Um, but they genuinely cared and um, I still keep in contact with her today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even when I went back to Hawaii and I stopped, I stopped going to church again mm-hmm. there. <laughs> so I, would, I started going to the club a lot yeah. in Hawaii. And my Relief Society first counselor and one of the girls who was a Sunday school teacher in my mm-hmm. ward, they found out that I liked to go clubbing. Yeah. So they were like, how do you get to town? Because we lived on the North Shore, which yeah. is like an hour from town. And they were like, um, how do you get home? <laughs> and I was like, a drive or something. <laughs> and then they were like, we'll drive you. Because we like to dance. But I mean, they don't drink or anything. Yeah. So um, they... Sorry, I'm going totally off topic too. No, you're good. But they, they, um, they started just coming with me every time. And if I wanted to go to town, but they didn't want to, they would still go and they would still take me. And they always brought me home safe. And they yeah. were always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in turn, they dragged me to church. Yeah. Like if I wasn't working, if I wasn't really working, they would take me to church. Um, and I would sit next to them. And never once did I ever feel like they were like, Oh, Becca shouldn't do that. Or, yeah. you know, they, they're my best friends to this day. There's, mm-hmm. they're still two of my best friends. Um, and <clears throat> I think it was the genuine love that I felt from them because they loved me as a person, mm-hmm. no matter where I was in my testimony, yeah. they loved me. They truly loved me. Um, and when I started c- coming back to church, you know, they were the ones that I opened up to about issues and about problems mm-hmm. um, because I knew that they would accept me no matter yeah. what. Um, and so when I went back into the temple in November mm-hmm. of last year, um, I, those were the two, two girls that I texted yeah. first, besides my mom. Um, you know, I told them that like they had seen the ugly. <laughs> they had been there for the ugly. Um, but if it wasn't for them and if it wasn't for them worrying about my safety and, you know, and then worrying about also my spirituality that I wouldn't have gone back to the temple. Um, cause we got so close from those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then I also use that today. Um, I got called to be Relief Society president. Oh my gosh. I've learned that, you know, truly loving them is is what Heavenly Father wants for them. Mm -hmm. Um, If I can do anything, you know, I just try my best to let them know that I care. And it doesn't matter where they're at. You know, I had a sister recently who... She hadn't been to church in a long time, and she was like, she, I could tell she felt kind of embarrassed. And yeah. I was like, girl, in the past 10 years, I've been inactive longer than I've been active. I was like, so I know what right. you're, I, you know, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I understand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and you're not alone. Yeah. So I feel like it's important. Um, it's important for us to, to talk about and to be open with our issues that we're facing mm-hmm. um, so that we can help each other. Yeah. I don't know if that made sense with your No, it does. Guess, but. No, it totally does. I think just being open to 
help or even people just open to letting people in that are trying to help you mm-hmm. or befriend you. Mm-hmm. I think it starts from there in helping your heart kind of soften and at the same time kind of start healing mm-hmm. um, through genuine love of other people that are trying. Because I do believe, too, that it is inspired of who God puts in our lives. And it's for a reason. And even us as people, when we get those um, ideas or promptings to reach out to someone, I know that those are opportunities um, to answer someone's prayers that mm-hmm. are looking for whatever the simple thing or thought may be that you're given to do for somebody else. I know that those are inspired to help other people. Um, but we don't know that unless we act on it and we do that good deed that comes Mm -hmm. to our mind that we should do for someone randomly or when we accept someone's random visit or text and kind of open our heart to a friendship, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of starts that, that change in us. Mm -hmm. So I love that you brought that up and that totally makes sense. Um, is there anything else that you could think of, um, that you feel made like a big impact or difference for you or that you would want to share or say to anyone else that you haven't that's went through the same thing? I think also opening up and talking about things. Mm, I didn't truly start healing until I started um, talking about things openly. Um, it wasn't until I actually talked to my mom, because mm-hmm. um, I actually, I think you saw the post when I shared my story, and <laughs> I'm, sometimes when I write things on, on social media, I just, it's usually because I see something that, like, just, like, mm-hmm. irritates my soul, <laughs> because I'm like, how can they say that, or how Get can they, like, worked up. yeah, and so um, I wrote that post because I felt so strongly because of the experiences that I had gone through, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to... I wanted to share my voice so that other girls or other women can share their voices. Um, but I shared my story without remembering that, like, I hadn't actually talked talked about it with very many people. Yeah. And my mom knew about what happened to me when I was younger, but she didn't know about what happened to me when I was older because mm. I had just suppressed it and I had just, you know, tried to deal with it on my yeah. own. And so... It was hard for my family. Yeah. It was hard for my brother because my brother, who first called my mom and freaked out, was the brother who told my mom when I was younger about what was happening Mm -hmm. to me. And he still struggles with, you know, even maybe a couple months ago, he brought it up. Um, He brought up about how, like, he felt guilt because of what happened to me. Um, But... um, Opening up and talking to my family was important because I didn't know that my mom had gone through things. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that my mom had experienced pain that was so similar to mine. Yeah. Um, and I, you talked about this early too, how it's important to share our stories. Um, and so my mom... She always, she told me that she always told herself that she would never let it happen to her daughter. She would never let it happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't tell me um, 
that it could happen. Mm -hmm. She didn't prepare me about what to do um, if it happens. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I didn't know. No, where to go or what to do when it did. Yeah. And so, um, you know, after I shared my experience on social media, these are the things that my mom told me afterwards. Yeah. Because she just felt, you know, she was crying and she felt so bad because she was like, I promised myself I would never let it happen to my daughter. And then it happened when she was young and then it happened when she was older. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was such a important conversation for me and her to have. Yeah. Um, because it not only brought us together and brought it, brought us closer, but it just helps to just talk about it with people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't go into too much detail like I did today, you know, um, when I told my mom about things, but it was mostly just about my feelings. And it was mostly just about um, the pain that I felt and the confusion that it caused me. Yeah. Um, but knowing that I could confide in my mom, especially about that, was so important. And it's still so important to, for me today. Because um, me and my mom were talking on the phone the other day, too, um, just a couple of days ago, about, you know, she's been my mom my whole life. But yeah. it, hasn't, it wasn't until maybe, like, a few years ago when I told her my story that I truly felt like I could tell my mom anything. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know why I didn't open up to her mm -hmm. um, but that being able to open up to her was yeah it's just changed everything for yeah. you for both of you I'm sure yeah so I think just finding somebody mm -hmm. to talk to because um, holding it in is like the worst thing because feel like it for me when I held it in it just things just got worse or things never got better mm -hmm. um, but letting it out was like therapeutic in a way I love that um, and just wrapping up with everything you said um, I know on my last episode with a woman named Haven who went through the same thing but at a younger age in her home um, she she echoed a lot of the things actually that you've said today and shared that help you get through it. But she said the same thing in that um, she wouldn't change anything because it's made her who she is today. As crazy as that is because of how traumatizing it is of what happened, but she knows that it's made her the woman she is today and how important being who you are at this moment is. Um, and I'm grateful for that too because I know the inspiration of having you on this episode, I know that it's going to help change at least one person's life, whether it's a woman, which it happens too often, or even if it's a male that feels shame that it's happened to him and hasn't opened up at all. Um, so I appreciate you so much for being exactly who you are and having the bravery that you do to open up. Um, and I respect you so much. But last thing just in wrapping it all up is what is, because like you said, it's a continual journey, which self-love is in itself, but healing through what you went through is going to be something that has its good days and its bad days. And it's just, you can't give up and you have to keep pushing forward. But what does self-love 
pushing forward look like for you, for Becca? How are you, how can you continue to show up for yourself and not give up on yourself every day to get through this? That's just the thing right there is just not giving up on myself. Um, and knowing and understanding that I'm going to fall again in the future. Um, I think especially in our religion, we think we just need to like constantly cruise or constantly being going up. And I think something that I've learned is to just accept that I'm going to fail sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. As long as I don't let myself stay down mm-hmm. or continue to fall. Yeah. Um, as long as I'm just committed to brushing it off, you know, going through, if I have to, the repentance process, going through the healing process again, um, you know, if I have to do it, then I'll do it. Um, but just never giving up because yeah. this can sound cliche, but I'm worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yes. That's what you have to tell yourself those times where you have those hard days and you don't want to keep trying because it feels too hard. But I feel like that's almost what you have to remind yourself, like, no, I can't give up. I have to keep doing the work, the hard stuff, because I'm worth it and worthy to feel happiness and to be loved and to just live Mm -hmm. the life that I deserve. And there's days where, you know, I've accepted that there's days I won't make progress. Right. But there's days where I'll get by. Like, I allow myself sometimes, you know, when I'm, when I realize that I'm going through a low point, you know, if I really need to, I'll allow myself some time to mm-hmm. stay, you know, to hang out, <laughs> to hang out there. Yeah. You know, um, honor that because feeling. you can't just, if you're not ready to pick yourself up mm-hmm. and to go for it, then you need to, you know, you need to give yourself some time yeah. and be gentle with yourself. Um, I think too often we're expected to just pull ourselves up, make ourselves presentable and, you know, mm-hmm. and just keep on going with our lives. But it's okay to let yourself feel what you're going through Mm -hmm. and to truly process it. Because once you allow yourself that time, then you can slowly, you know, work towards getting to where you want to go. Right. Um, But I think it's important to just be patient with yourself. And to know there's opposition in all things. I think Mm -hmm. in order for us to feel the happiness, like the best of feelings that we want to feel... We have to first be okay with feeling the hard things Mm -hmm. and the painful things and the scary things. We have to feel that and then work through it, move, try to move past it to feel the good. But we can't do that until we address the hard and we feel the pain. And I think too often we kind of just try to like get through those things or like, Mm-hmm. You know, get through the pain without actually feeling the pain yeah. or dealing with the pain. Right. I think learning how to process through pain and learning how to under, I don't know if this will make sense, but understand yourself through the pain. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. Yeah. Because um, I've learned a lot about myself from those low points. Yeah. Um, and it helps me in my high points. Yeah. Um, because I took the time to truly just feel and process yeah. everything. I feel like we can't truly know ourselves and love ourselves until 
we do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I 100% um, agree. And I think that that is so true. I had something come to my mind, but I completely spaced it because I get so many thoughts in my mind. <laughs> it's probably because I keep ranting. But <laughs> no, you're fine. But yes, I love exactly what you said. And it is so true. So I love that. And I love that that's your point that you brought up. So again, thank you so much. You're amazing. And I hope that those that watch this um, feel that they got something that they needed to help them through what they are going through. Um, And again, thank you so much for being you and for sharing this. And I appreciate you. Thank you for letting me come and talk and learn more too. Yes. And I really hope, I really hope that it helps somebody or it just, I really hope that we can get to a point where we can talk about these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not something that we have to hide because once we talk about these things, it'll help us to be able to stop these things yeah because the more open we are about it the more knowledgeable we'll be able to pass on to younger girls or girls at a younger Mm -hmm. age that it's wrong yeah Um, and then also that you know it's not their fault and all those points that we were trying to talk about Mm -hmm. too awesome thank you thank you